get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. Five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line to get involved in the show. Right now, we're going out to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line to be joined by our friend Danny Mack, the Cardinals broadcaster for Bally Sports Midwest. Dan, we always appreciate the time, man. How you doing today? Doing well. How about you guys? Uh, doing very well. I'm actually optimistic, Dan, about this CBA negotiation. After seeing what the players proposed yesterday, it feels like we're at least approaching something more towards the middle. I don't know when it's going to be done or how we ultimately get there, but I left yesterday's reports feeling pretty optimistic about this. Did you feel the same way? Well, I think it's a step in the right direction. The fact that they're meeting again today, and we're going to find out more about that, I'm sure, later this afternoon. The fact that it didn't go backwards, to me, that is progress. The union did remove some pieces, so let's get it going. Let's get it going in the right direction, and you know, hopefully sooner rather than later we have an agreement, and uh, we're talking baseball instead of talking about all this nonsense. Dan, are you surprised at all at how mild the conversations have been rather than it, we're getting report, you know, we're not getting reports that guys are yelling obscenities at each other after their meetings. It seems like it's pretty tame. Well, I think they, they on both sides, you know, and we're still in January, have made a point that they don't want this to turn out like it was in 2020. And I bring up the point that it's only January. We're, we're not at spring training yet. So let's hold the phones on it, Alex, because at that point, it can get pretty contentious, I'm sure, and some of that stuff starts to leak. And then all of a sudden, when those things leak, it can get nasty, as we've seen in the past. And I think they both realize that they don't want that to happen. Um, you, you know, BK asked about yesterday and, and being optimistic, and I am. Um, I didn't think that the players were going to get to the what they wanted, a fifth year of free agency, but... Uh, it is a olive branch, if you will, and it's a step in the right direction. And it's, you know, trying to be truly, uh, you know, saying, hey, let's negotiate. Let's get this thing going. And uh, to your point, Alex, it, it is good not to hear the bickering back and forth. And fans don't want to hear that. And they don't want that out there. And I'm sure some of this stuff is going to get heated if it hasn't already. But it's better to keep that stuff behind closed doors. And, and fans just don't want to hear it. It's just the way it is. They never want to hear it. But I think now more than ever. Dan, let's talk actual baseball then uh, and how this could potentially impact the Cardinals because one one report that I read yesterday that I did find a little bit interesting is that if this thing ends up extending into spring training and you have a shortened spring training, which seems uh, almost impossible not <clears throat> to happen, that feels like a ina- inevitability at this point, you might have a 28-man roster at least to start the season. 
if that ends up happening, who do you think ends up being the biggest beneficiary of that for the Cardinals? Are there players that maybe would make sense for those last couple extra roster spots in your mind? Yeah, I mean, I think if you, and this does not include the DH, but I'm looking at guys like Sosa, uh, Brendan Donovan, certainly Lars Newtbar. I think Kisner would be your backup catcher. And I'd probably put Juan Yepes, uh, another one currently constructed that would make my, my team. Um, now, that's not to say that they don't go out and, and improve their bench with veterans, but currently constructed, yeah, because Donovan's a guy that hits from the left side. Newpar hits from the left side. Sosa, I would say initially, would be my backup shortstop. And I say initially, I think that DeYoung gets the first crack at it, and part of that is because of maybe what he's doing this offseason and contract and what he's making, and then Yepes because of what he did last year. So those are... Those are the guys I think that would probably benefit from this right now. So, Dan, you mentioned Paul DeYoung, and Rick Hummel discussed this on the most recent article on the Post-Dispatch. And just just in terms of how long the leash truly is for, is for Paul DeYoung, and Derek Gould had the piece talking about you know changing up his routine or finding a routine, routine for this upcoming season. How long of a leash do you feel like Paul DeYoung has for this upcoming season? I don't think it's as long as maybe he would want. Um, and, it, you know, it's... I think what complicates it a little bit is a shortened spring training um, because I think there's going to be more eyes and more critical eyes on him and, and not uh, giving him the leeway maybe that a, a normal season would give him if he was coming off a good year, but he's not. And so you don't have a lot of time to wait. And so, you know, you're, you're talking, if he's not producing, I would say in the first couple of months, six to eight weeks, and you're going to give more of those opportunities to Sosa, and maybe not even that long, because Sosa was productive for you at the end of the season, and he's a good defensive player. So that's something to keep in mind. And a lot of times, you know, there's other positions that maybe you have to, like, for instance, last year, you, you had Tommy Edmond that had to go to the outfield because of ineffectiveness or injury or whatever. And sometimes guys have to play or uh, you, you're forced to, to play different people in, and you don't really want to, but then all of a sudden they figure something out and that's the way it goes. But in this particular case, with if everybody's healthy and he's not producing, I, I would say it's a couple of months. And then at that point, you're, you're reevaluating what you're doing at short. Danny Mack is our guest here on 101 ESPN. Dan, Ryan Thibodeau does a great job of collecting all of the ballots for the Hall of Fame. And he any of that are publicly known, he makes sure to put out and calculate exactly what the percentages are for all the players that are on the ballot. So far, he's got about 50% of them. And as of now, David Ortiz has 84% of the votes. Barry Bonds is at 78%, and Roger Clemens is at 77%. Scott Rowland is under the threshold, according to his publicly available ballots, at 70%. Obviously, this changes with the other 50% of the ballots that we just don't know who they voted for just yet. What are your expectations for whenever this is announced at 5 o'clock? Do you think anybody gets in this year? I think it's going to be Ortiz. Um, And that's going to open up another can of worms, I think, for a lot of people because if Bonds and Clemens and let's just throw Sosa in there and McGuire and some of the others that have been, you know, around the steroid era and their names have been mentioned with that, and Ortiz has as well. And if David Ortiz gets in, then when you have these other committees that come in in five years and 10 years and 15, the special committee voters 
they're going to all look back and go, now, wait a minute, we put David Ortiz in, but we're saying we're not going to put these other guys in. And it's a collection of, and my whole thing is now, I'm just putting everybody in. Pete Rose can go in, Shoeless Joe Jackson, McGuire, Bond, I, I, just whatever. It's a collection of the history of the sport, and I know that some people don't agree with that. I'm not sure I agree with myself on that. I, I go back and forth. I waver on it. But it's hard to tell. It's, to me, it's, you know, when are you going to tell me when guys started, when guys stopped? Do I know for certain that certain guys did? Uh, are you going to tell me that certain guys that are in now didn't do it? I just, it's such a gray area with some of this stuff. It's very hard for me to sit there and pinpoint who did and who didn't. So I'm just putting them all in and I'm done with it. You know what? I'm just putting them in Their Their numbers were there. They were the dominant player of their era. This guy's the home run uh, champion. This guy was a dominant pitcher. This guy did that. I'm putting them in. I, I'm just done with it. That's kind of where I'm at as well, Dan, especially because like you look back at baseball's history and whether it's the greenies or the live ball era, the dead ball era, the spitball, like there, there's a million different things. And obviously this is different, right? This is cheating. And so that's, that's a big portion of what we're talking about here. But uh, a lot of things in baseball or any sport come with some caveats. And if we're willing to put David Ortiz in, and it, it's really because he's likable, like that, that, that's why it's he's a popularity different. contest. Yeah. What, what, what am I doing here? Why am I deciding that because I liked David Ortiz and because he had some funny moments on television, he's the one that ends up being able to escape from all of this right, wrong or indifferent. I'm just putting the guys that ended up dominating their era in and we'll figure it out from there. And if you want to put an asterisk next to the entire era from whatever, 96 to 2005 and say, hey, this was the steroid era. And there's an exhibit within Cooperstown that you do for that. uh, That's fine by me. I got no issues with it. But eventually I, I am kind of happy that some of these guys are falling off of the ballot because at least there's a few that we just don't have to talk about anymore after this. And that shouldn't be what the Hall of Fame conversation is like. I agree, and I, I do think, though, Ortiz will keep this if he gets in this year. Um, and if he's getting the kind of votes that, that Thibodeau has talked about, it's only a matter of time that he probably gets in. Yeah. That it, it just It's going to stir the conversation even further, whether or not Bonds and Clemens and the others that we've talked about that are suspected users uh, that are on the outside looking in, they're still going to get talked about. And it's it's always going to be brought up every year. Now, if he gets in this year first ballot, you're right, and it's to my original point. People are going to say, now, wait a minute. He's in, and these other guys aren't. So it's just because he got along with the media in Boston or others or national and has done very well on national television, why aren't the other guys in? And I think it's a legitimate question. Yeah, it, it's it's certainly interesting. And Dan, final question: We'll get you out of here on this one. Uh, how how much longer do you think we're going to have to wait before Scott Rowland gets in? Well, if he doesn't get in this year, I think it's next year, and it's due in part to Bonds, Clemens, and others not being on the ballot. So, last year I was looking at the numbers; he was at fifty-two point nine percent. He started out at ten point two, so he's made a dramatic jump, and it's. It's kind of ridiculous that we're talking about some of these other guys, and especially with younger voters coming into the fold of understanding modern metrics and the analytics and saber metrics, that maybe he's not getting a, a better look into what he has done and just how good he has been. Because when you look at what he's done, he's sixth all time in defensive war, he's 68th all time war by a position player and he's got eight gold gloves in 17 seasons only brooks robinson mike schmidt have more at third base 
There's 17 third basemen in the Hall of Fame. No position has fewer. And of the 17, seven got in through special committee voters. That, that to me, is ridiculous. There's some great third basemen that aren't in. And only two third basemen have 300-plus home runs and at least eight gold gloves. Mike Schmidt, Scott Rowland. So you tell me whether or not he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, and he's he, all of Famer. But he's going to play a bunch of games between now and next year, Dan. So that's going to totally change all of the yeah. arguments about him. That's that's the thing that then, drives then me gotta, nuts. Then you got to wait five more years. Exactly. Dan, we appreciate yeah. the time as always, man. Thanks so much for hopping out with us today. We'll talk with you again next week. All right, guys. Have a good one.